Well, folks, Shaw Jerry Adams are right. Augusta Sulagomsa, Gwil Shevsha, Gumoy. It's one week to polling day, and the pundits and the pollsters are filling the airwaves and their column inches with their take on who will be the big winners and who will be the losers in the upcoming assembly elections who will emerge with more or fewer assembly seats. Will the protocol galvanise uh, so far fairly lacklustre unionist campaign? Will the DUP, TUV and their loyalist allies succeed in frightening unionist voters into towing the line? Or will Sinn Féin upend the century of partition and the northern state by taking enough seats for Michelle O'Neill to become First Minister. All that remains to be seen. Most of the parties have now published their election manifestos, where they stand on the constitutional issue, the cost of living crisis, Brexit, and a host of other matters that are of varying importance to the electorate, and they're all fairly well understood by the public. I folded my first election leaflets in 1964. That's a long time ago. The actions of the RUC at the behest of Ian Paisley in smashing the window of the Republican election office in Divis Street to steal the tricolour encouraged me to buy a copy of the Special Powers Act and to begin a process of personal learning and politicisation which continues to this day. There have been many other elections north and south since then, all of them in their own way significant. Even those which didn't fare too well for Sinn Féin or where we didn't do as well as we may have hoped for. But that also was part of the learning process. The election is next Thursday, May the 5th. It's a date seared into the memory of Republicans as the date in 1981 in which Bobby Sands MP and hunger striker died. The Fermanagh South Throne by-election was an education for Republicans. I was rarely at home during that time, spending almost the entire campaign in the constituency. I met scores of great people, hundreds of them. We learned about form-filling, polling agents, presiding officers, personation officers, how to campaign, Hardy campus, it was exhilarating. The British government and loyal opposition, followed enthusiastically by elements of the media, had consistently asserted that Republicans, and especially the hunger strikers, represented nobody and enjoyed no full support or real support. And the election result confounded them all. 41 years later and the political landscape has changed. New opportunities are emerging. Opportunities for reconciliation and peace, for economic and political equality, for a new shared Ireland shaped by the people of this island, for an end to division. So we who love freedom will be forever grateful to the 30,493 citizens in Fermanagh and South Tyrone who voted for Bobby. Next week, you can join them. Next Thursday is the Voters' Day. It's your day. So keep your eye on the prize, folks, and vote for real 
change. At the start of the year, people across Ireland were shocked at the brutal murder of Aisling Murphy. The 23-year-old primary school teacher was attacked while out jogging along the Grand Canal at Tullamore in County Offaly. The outrage and the condemnation of her murder reflected the enormous frustration and anger that exists at the regular reports of violence against women, much of it related to domestic violence. Women's Aid in the South has recorded 244 murders of women since 1996, when they first started keeping a record. Two weeks ago, 64-year-old Alison Nelson, a retired nurse, was murdered in Whitehead, County Antrim. Her death brought to 14 the number of women violently killed in the North in the past two years. Statistics from the PSNI reveal that between 2017 and 2021, a total of 26 women were murdered by either a partner, a family member or a relative. This month also witnessed the cruel murder of Aidan Moffat, aged 42, in Slago on April the 10th. And two days later, also in Slago, Michael Snee, aged 58, was viciously killed. Both men were gay. It's widely believed that their murders were hate crimes. Both men were well known and widely respected. Meantime, in Dublin, Evan Summers was attacked on a Dublin street in the city centre. And in a tweet on social media, he described being assaulted by a stranger who, I quote, called me a faggot before beating the shit out of me. He left me with a fractured eye socket, two fractures in my ankle, a dislocation in my ankle and some other minor injuries. The Stego deaths and the Dublin assault are evidence of a growing trend and hate came, came directed at the LBGTQI community. The Rainbow Project in Belfast reported that between 2017 and 2019, there was a serious rise in homophobic attacks in the north. The number reported rose from 163 to 281. Violence and the threat of violence against women and members of the LGBTQI community or against those of a different colour or ethnicity, whether at home, in the workplace, while socialising or relaxing, or on social media, are all too common. So condemnation is not enough. We all have a responsibility to ensure that there's zero tolerance of racism or violence against women and against the LGBTQI community. That means tough legislation, tackling hate crime and all its manifestations. <coughs> but it also demands that as a society we stand for equality. Instead of shame, persecution or discrimination on the basis of sexuality or gender identity, everyone must have the freedom to love and to express his or her or their true identity. We have a responsibility to stand together and to stand against hate crime. And finally, I've noticed that uh, in this nice sunny weather that our dogs seem to sleep a lot. Now, 
dogs do generally seem to sleep a lot. They just lie down, they close their eyes and they doze off whenever the notion takes them. In this good weather they pick a sunny spot and drift off into doggy dreamland. I suppose that's one of the advantages of being a dog. As long as you don't annoy the humans too much you can generally laze about. Cats are the same. Cats also lie in favoured spots and doze off whenever they feel like it. From them we get the term catnap. We humans could learn a lot from dogs and cats. The older I get, the more I appreciate the benefits of a wee sleep in the course of an afternoon or an early evening. It makes sense. But sometimes it's hard to get the time to do nothing. I love my sleep. But I also like to get up relatively early in the morning, so by the time late afternoon sneaks up on me, I need to recharge my batteries. And that's easier said than done. Especially if I'm in the office. When I was a TD, I had a reclining chair in my room in Linster House for sneaky power naps. Before that, up in Stormont, I got a settee. During the Good Friday Agreement negotiations, I commissioned a folding bed, which Siobhan O'Hanlon procured, and it was put to good use. But there's nothing to lie down on in the office I work from nowadays. Not even space for a hammock. It's the desk or it's the floor. Of course, if I'm working from home, it's much easier. Or at least there's comfortable furniture in which to repose, if you're allowed. But you usually have to get permission or to negotiate the time for napping with other members of the household, especially the main female member, who will always find something that she needs you to do just as you're ready to lie down. So having the house to yourself is almost a precondition for napping. A dog doesn't have that problem. Or a cat. By the way, we don't have a cat. And I have nothing against cats. They do lack the humility of dogs, but they can't help that. Cats have a certain arrogance. Maybe because they are more independent from humans and dogs. Although we don't have cats, there are cats in our street who think they own our backyard wall. They slink along the wall before they stretch themselves with a certain disdain towards the rest of us into luxurious slumber. There they snooze beyond the reach of our dogs. And I can only look up enviously at them. The dogs have learned to ignore them except occasionally during the night when more amorous felines outrage them with their banshee wailings and other courting rituals. This provokes, provokes howls of indignant, indignant protests from our canine chums. I'm sure the neighbours are disturbed by all the clamour. I know I am. All other annoyances to one side. A night of broken sleep makes a nap a necessity the following day. So that's what I'm going to do now. A siesta is a very civilised little break from the travails of the day. We could learn a lot from our friends in warmer claims who build a siesta into their daily routine. Or we could just follow the example of our canine and feline friends. Either way, the point is, take the time to nap. You won't regret it.
But don't be asleep next Thursday, the 5th of May. Get out and cast your vote and vote for real change. And we finish with The Boss with Bruce Springsteen and I on the prize. Gunyuri and Ta Livsha Gulyar. Slan Liv. Silence bound in jail Had no money for to go that bail Keep your eyes on the prize Hold on Paul and Silas thought they was lost Dungeon shook and the chains come on Keep your eyes on the
they're paved with gold.